race fans, and welcome to another edition of the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. I am your host, Scott Stiller. Thanks for joining us. Coming up on this week's podcast, we'll talk with 2003 NASCAR Cup Series champion Matt Kenseth, hot off the heels of his second-place finish in Sunday's Brickyard 400. We'll also talk with Meyer Shank Racing's Jack Harvey, who started on the outside of the front row at the NTT IndyCar Series GMR Grand Prix last Saturday at the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And we'll talk with the big block modified points leader from Lernerville, Garrett Crummer. We'll start with some headlines this week. NASCAR has released their schedule for the remainder of the regular season, which is going to include a race on the road course at Daytona International Speedway. That race will replace the Watkins Glen race because New York still has restrictions due to COVID-19. Kevin Harvick picked up the victory at Sunday's Brickyard 400 at Indy, and on Saturday, Indiana native Chase Briscoe captured the checkered flag in the Xfinity Series race on the infield road course. Our first guest, no stranger to NASCAR fans. Joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Down podcast, 2003 NASCAR Cup Series champion, driver of the number 42, Credit One Bank, McDonald's Camaro for Chip Ganassi Racing, Matt Kenseth. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. For folks who aren't familiar with how you ended up in the 42 car, rather than rehash what happened with Larson, can you walk us through the process of how you were on the sidelines and you got the phone call? So uh, walk us through how that all went down. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, racing or being back in the Cup Series at that moment in time was really really on my radar. So, yeah, just just got a call and said that they were um, – a driver for the rest of the year and wanted to see if I was interested in coming back and doing some driving. So I guess that's that's where it started. It wasn't really much more complicated than that. And then uh, obviously spent some, some time thinking about it and talking to Katie about it and trying to figure out what it was all going to look like in the schedule and all that, which a lot of that was uh, still is kind of tough to figure out, right? Because of the pandemic and everything, things, things change a lot and change pretty rapidly. So just kind of looked at it, knew it was a, a great car, a great team, and a great opportunity if I ever wanted to come back and drive again to be in, in, a, in a competitive car, you know, and, and uh, a car that's capable of contending for, for race wins. So I just thought it was a, a great opportunity at the right time and something I wanted to try. Your situation kind of reminds me of Bill Elliott's situation back when Evernham had uh, Casey Kane in a kind of waiting in the wings and didn't have uh, enough cars or enough sponsorship and uh, you know Bill never announced he was retiring and I heard one of the NBC broadcasters the other day during the race you know when you were up there in second place at the Brickyard saying that you had retired and I, I kind of looked at my wife and I said that's not entirely true he never announced he was retiring <laughs> yeah that's 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 totally not true that's uh, one word that I've never used you know everybody you know said that after 17 they said that after i ran that part-time deal in 18 and that's not something i ever said you know i never did a retirement tour i never said i was retiring i just um you know honestly after 17 i just really didn't have anything in front of me that really interested me that much i mean i had some opportunities to keep driving race cars but really nothing that that really felt you know like the 
the right thing for me. And then, you know, coming back in, in 18 and running a part-time schedule was, um, what's fun for me. It was something that, you know, I wanted to do to kind of, kind of go back and try to hopefully help Jack out a little bit, um, to go back kind of where I started and everything. But, you know, it was kind of a, a, a different, a different, um, opportunity, I guess I would say it was a little bit of a, uh, kind of a, a, a project, I guess that team wasn't running particularly well. And, uh, we're trying to get the thing, you know, rebuilt and running better and stuff. And, and, um, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't, just didn't really, you know, totally fit, I guess, for me, kind of what I, what I wanted or, or what I was looking for. Um, you know, if that makes sense, I was kind of at the time hoping, you know, to run that part time and, you know, maybe get into, you know, trying to help the organization and do something besides driving. And when I wasn't driving anymore and like all that, it just kind of didn't really, didn't really work out for that. I enjoyed going back and doing it, um, but didn't really want to go back and, and do that full time necessarily the the next year. Or so after having some, some time off and, um, and, and, and then really at the time too, after 18, I, I, I could use some time off and, you know, with my family and just you know, spending some time with the kids and, and um, just doing things in the summer that, I've never been able to do before because we've we've been busy racing all summer every summer. So we were able to do that last year. Had a great time, and then this year is just so unique, you know, because we were, we were basically stuck around home like everybody else is. And uh, you know, this opportunity came up to drive for Chip, and it's a great race car. Um, really, they were running really well, and just needed a driver. Um, so, like I said, it was just a unique opportunity at a at a unique time, the way the schedule was, and like I said, to be able to get in a in a car that you know is capable of of running up front, like the you know just to get in there and go do that. So it was just uh, the timing was good for me, and and like I said, it was a great opportunity. And um, if I was ever going to come back and try to drive again, this was a, a perfect opportunity for that. Now you had a relationship with uh, the team's managing director Max Jones from when you guys worked at Roush. Is that how this kind of all got the ball rolling? Uh, yeah, I mean, I talked to Max, um, you know, before I talked to to Chip or or anyone else. Max kind of called me about it, and uh, you know, we spent a little time talking about it a, a couple different times. So, so yeah, I've known Max for uh, for years and years. Great, great guy, and um, and that's kind of where it started. Well, you're helping Chip out, and you're helping the team out. You rolled uh, into Darlington for your first race. You scored a top 10, and then you kind of hit a little bump in the road, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I texted Chip on Sunday after the race, and I said to him, I said, it's amazing the job you're doing, considering you've had zero practice, zero testing with this particular package. So you're essentially just learn. You, you're, you were thrown into the fire, and you're learning on the fly on what these race cars need. And conversely, the team is learning on the fly and what you like in a car. Yeah, I mean, it's been um, a little bit more challenging than I, I hoped it would be for sure. Um, like I said, it's a great opportunity and, and, you know, a great race car. And I felt like, you know, we started off and finished 10th at Darlington and, and I was definitely fairly rusty in a lot of areas, you know, pit road, um, just a lot of the little things that, you know, being out of car for a long time and not having practice and everything just tougher to, you know, tougher to, to be super sharp and be really good at that right away and have everything in the car the way you want the dash and just all the little things. So anyway, and then, uh, the next Darlington we ran a little better and I hit the wall and got a flat tire and got a poor finish. And then from there, it's just been, honestly, it's just been kind of a struggle. And, 
And through that, I feel like we've learned a lot. There's a lot of areas I feel like we kept doing better at and being a little bit sharper, but just the finishes didn't always reflect that. Like, I feel like we've ran better than our finishes a lot of, a lot of weeks and need to turn those into finishes. So anyway, I feel like the last few weeks we really, um, you know, hit on a couple things that seemed to help. I think, you know, Pocono didn't really knock anybody's socks off as far as finishes, but it was much better. We ran 11th and 12th and, um, you know, certainly performed better as a team than we, than we have previous to that. And then Indy was just a solid day all the way around. I mean, we, um, you know, it was solid from, from, you know, pit road on the track to performance. Like it was just all, all better and we're able to get a good finish out of that. So hopefully we can carry that momentum forward and, um, you know, go to Kentucky and have another good run there and try to build on that. Had Denny Hamlin not blown that tire with him and Harvick being on older tires and you being on fresh tires, do you think you could have caught them? You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Kevin was re- was really fast. I mean, Chad did a great job at strategy. Uh, you know, the second to last restart, we had four new tires on, and uh, we were starting fourth on the outside right behind the leader, and the, the top three cars all had, you know, like 10 laps on their tires or something like that. So if there was a time to pass those two guys or three guys, you know, that would have been it. That was the restart I really needed to to make it happen. And I just didn't, I just didn't have enough, uh, enough strength to be able to do that. You know, did, did the best I could, um, but just didn't have enough extra speed to be able to get around those guys. So that track's pretty, you know, it was tough on tires as far as failures, but old tires, new tires, wasn't a huge difference. It was a way bigger advantage to be in the cleanest air and to be up front. So, um, I just, I couldn't get around those guys. And, um, I don't know if I ever would have, I think if we'd have been in front of them, um, I think that it would have been hard to catch us and I feel like we would have been able to hang on, but you know, we weren't in front of them and, um, that was the, the best I could get out of it was second. In talking about this package in order, it seems like in order to get any type of positivity on a restart or to make anything up, you need the guy behind you to, you know, give you that push, give you that draft to work with you a little bit. And, uh, you know, I was reading some comments after the race where, you know, any more these NASCAR races come down to clean air. You have clean air is king, basically. Well, this, this, I mean, it's never been easy to pass at Indy. I mean, it's, it's been a very difficult track to pass at, but, um, yeah, I don't think it's ever been this hard, you know, in my career. So the, the horsepower is real low and then you got those huge spoilers on them. You got a lot of drag, a lot of downforce and, um, obviously the bigger the, the more spoiler and all that stuff you have on it, the more the air is going to be disturbed from the car behind it. You know, you can draft up just a little bit better in the straightaways, but that's not even as big a deal as I thought it would be. But the main thing is it just makes such a big wake in the corner that it's hard for the trailing car to keep any kind of grip and, and to really get a run, uh, particularly once the tires get a few laps on them. So, um, you know, but it's the same for everybody and everybody shows up with the same opportunity to, to go win that race. And you just got to figure out how to, be better at timing your runs than everybody else and having your car strong enough, you know, on the corner exits where you can get up alongside of somebody and still be stable enough to finish that pass when you get to the next corner. So, um, and like I said, I feel like we've really been gaining on, we've been getting a little bit better, better here the last few weeks. So hopefully uh, I'm glad we could turn one into a good finish. Um, you know, as happy as you are about being second, you're always disappointed about not winning one, uh, especially a big race like like the Brickyard. So uh, I do feel like we did everything we could do, and we, we maximized everything we had, got the best finish we could out of it. But uh, whenever you come up short, you always want that, that one last spot for sure. Any pressure on the team when uh, 
the other half of Chip's team goes out and wins the race the day before. You know, Dixon went out, Scott Dixon went out and won the IndyCar race. Is there any kind of internal pressure in the team, you know, considering how well uh, he did on Saturday, or is it just the pressure you guys put on yourselves every weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always pressure. I think anybody that's made it to this level, whether they're a driver, a crew member, a crew chief, um, you know, any part of the team obviously, uh, uh, obviously, you know, feels the pressure to perform and knows that they have to, to, to be their best every, every week. I mean, you're racing against all the best, um, race teams and the best drivers for, um, this, you know, for, for stock car racing and all that. And, you know, you have to be, you know, on your game to be competitive and have a chance to win these races. So I, I think the pressure is always there. You go every week, you know, giving it your best and doing your best, preparing as hard as you can, racing as hard as you can, um, doing all that to, to get results every week. So, um, you know, you can never, never do better than your best. You can never, you know, try hard, harder than your hardest. You just go put in the best effort you can every week and, um, you know, try to get the, try to get the best results. Over the years, you've driven so many different styles of cars. I asked your teammate, Kurt Busch, this earlier in the year when the year kicked off. Uh, now that you've had some races with this package, do you like the package? Or anything you'd like to see them change? Do you want more horsepower, less drag? Do you want them flipping around? Uh, what What would you like to see NASCAR do? I know they're working on this next gen car. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a hard one to say. I mean every driver is is different, and everybody's going to want what's what's working for them. You know, I mean, you know, Denny and Kevin have been winning all the races this year, so I'm sure they they love it you know, just the way it is. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I was always a, more of a fan of, you know, less downforce, less drag, more power. Uh, just felt like that gave you more of an opportunity to, uh, to pass than, than what maybe, you know, this does, but this has put on some good races at, at certain tracks at certain times, even, even any race was, was really a good race. I think a lot of that is, is, is because there's no practice and some people hit it hit it better than than others um and the field is mixed up with drawing instead of instead of qualifying so um you know i i don't know i enjoyed when they went to the to the lower down force i guess i felt like you could get closer to people in the corners and try to get them offline and maybe pass a little bit better but um you know ever since um i think they redesigned the car several years ago with splitters and stuff they've certainly become more more aero dependent and they're always going to be aero dependent i think no matter uh you know what package they put on them it's just some are uh some are more than others. I'm kind of in the in the same vein as you. I like the higher horsepower. I'd love to see them peel that, as Junior called it, the giant-ass spoiler off the back of the car and, and go with yeah. a little something different there, just so it's not so much of that giant wake for the rest of the trailing cars. But like you said before, everybody's running the same deal. So uh, what's it yeah. like? What's it like been uh, trying to adjust to that with no practice, no quali- uh, no practice, no qualifying, no testing? Yeah, it's been um, it's been challenging, you know, and and you know, a few weeks ago, I guess, probably decided just to just to go back and kind of you know do what feels natural, try to try to learn you know, learn what you can and always keep your eyes open and stuff, but go back to just driving what feels natural and try to try to get the best feedback you can and get the car, car there. So I think, I think in a way probably, you know, I've overthought some of it a little bit, just studying like tons of data and uh, trying to look at how people are driving these packages, you know, in traffic, out of traffic and, and all that, all that stuff. So, um, 
you know, it's, it's been different, you know, especially because we start in the mid, mid pack most of the time, uh, where we're in points and then where our draws are and stuff. And, um, you know, with that being said, it, it, you know, you spend first, the first part of the race, just trying to figure out kind of, you know, where you're going and what's going on and what you need in the car and all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, it changes so much in dirty air and in clean air. So it, it makes it, you know, tough to figure out where you're in a mid pack. So if you can finally get some clean air and get running, um, it definitely makes it easier to kind of dissect the car and kind of, kind of see where you're at and what you need. What's it like been, uh, having Kurt Busch, uh, who you guys were obviously teammates before, and Kurt told me months ago that, that you were one of the best teammates he ever had. And what's it been like uh, being back with him? Well, Kurt is great. I mean, he's always, uh, he's always been a, a, a great teammate. Kurt's a great guy. He's very, uh, very unselfish. He always tries to help as much as he can. It's just, um, you know, the way the weekends are and stuff, it's just been, it's, it's just been hard to, to really work with your teammate the way you typically would, you know, I, I think that teammates help each other the most, you know, during the week, you know, post-practice meetings, talking about changes you made in the car and what it, what it feels like, what was good, what was bad, all that kind of stuff. And without practice, you don't really have that opportunity. I mean, you can talk about it post-race and, you know, I can call him and pick his brain a little bit pre-race after reading his notes from the, the year before, um, that type of thing. But it's, it's just not, it's just not typical. You know, like I said, you used to be able to, you know, sit around after practice and talk about what you changed and what your car did and what it felt like and, and all that kind of stuff where, where now you don't really get that opportunity to just talk about it after the race, you know, kind of, kind of what happened and what it felt like and what you think you would do different the next time and things like that. It would be nice just to, I, I would think from all the team's perspectives, at least get one practice session in to see what your car needs so you guys can kind of tune on it a little bit and then you know maybe make it that much more competitive before they drop the green flag because you hate to see somebody like just hit on it and everybody else be out to lunch and drive away from the field well you don't hate it if you're a guy that hits on it so i mean that's the thing is we gotta we gotta hit on it so i i do um i gotta admit i mean i you know if we had more of a baseline and uh, I've raced with these guys before and all that. And like, if I was there all year last year and this year was like this, I would, I would love the schedules and not having practice, you know, to really, I think in a way it makes a better race. It mixes up the field, you know, with the drawing for qualifying and all that, you see some of the best cars having to start, you know, toward the middle, middle of the field or back a little farther and pass some cars and use some strategy. I think it makes the races honestly more, more unpredictable and more interesting. Um, you know, but certainly, um, you know, some practice would, would I think, benefit us more so than everybody else just because we we don't have that baseline and we've never worked together so looking forward in the schedule uh what are you looking forward to uh this coming race at kansas and from some of the races that you've run this year will you be able to apply anything uh going forward do you think that'll help you out well, I mean, that's the hope. So I felt like Pocono was a, a step in the right direction. We had, uh, you know, two runs that were, were fairly decent. And I feel like we learned some things about the car. We, there's a double header, so we have to make some changes for Sunday. Uh, some things made it better. Some things made it worse. But um, either way, whether it makes it better or worse, I think it's a learning experience and helps kind of build the notebook and kind of figure out, you know, you know what I'm feeling, you know, with certain changes and, and you know, what affects me in a positive way. And, and what doesn't. So, um, I think that was, that was a step forward. Indy, we obviously ran really, really well. It's a very unique racetrack. 
I don't know if you can take indie stuff many other places and really apply it, but um, at, at least we we had a couple good runs and and um, you know hopefully get some direction off that and some things we can use you know at other racetracks that will will help us there as well. So so really looking forward to going to Kentucky. It's a it's a really fun racetrack. Uh, Kurt won the race there last year. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting there and, um, you know, seeing what we got and hopefully, uh, putting together another race and, and getting a good finish at a, at a mile and a half racetrack with this package and, and move on from there. There you go. Well, we wish you the best of luck at Kentucky. We wish you the best of luck, uh, going on the rest of this season. We really appreciate you taking time out. Best to you and your family. And, uh, as far as this season goes, are you even looking forward to uh, next season? Uh, have you even thought about what you're going to do going forward? Uh, you know, that's something that, um, you know, Chip and I haven't had any discussions about, to be honest with you. So I'm just really looking forward one week at a time uh, to try to try to keep getting better and, and trying to get this, uh, you know, 42 Chevrolet up, up front where it belongs every week. I mean, that's really honestly my focus right now obviously the, the the finishes have been you know disappointing uh a lot of disappointing finishes um and most of that is i think from my doing you know just not having that time to practice and work out all the little things and the bugs and be as sharp as you need to be and all that kind of stuff and i feel like that's really getting better uh i really enjoyed it up to this point i really really like working with those guys uh really like the cars and the the organization and the shop and Kurt like this, uh, you know, I, I've really been enjoying it so far. So hopefully we can go and, um, you know, keep getting some finishes like we did at Indy and, and hopefully we can go out and get a win here, uh, before the playoffs started and sneak into the playoffs and, and be running good at the end of the year when it really counts. That was, uh, that's what my, uh, my, my goal and my focus is at the moment. Well, that's awesome. We appreciate it. And we wish you the best of luck. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. Best to you and your family and, uh, all the team, and, uh, you know, you're, you're a champion regardless of what the results show. I think all of the NASCAR fans and anybody that's been around racing knows the type of person that you are and the type of uh, driver that you are. And uh, you're obvious uh, credit to the sport. It's great to have you back uh, on the track week in and week out. Uh, I appreciate you saying that. You know, it's a... Uh, uh... Certainly, it's not a sport that that cares a lot what you did in the past. You got to be able to go out and put up the numbers and, and do it every week. So, like I said, that's really what my focus is right now, and uh, certainly feels good having a competitive run at Indy. And uh, hopefully, we can hopefully keep that up. Just um, right now, working working hard toward uh, toward Kentucky and looking forward to this weekend, and and uh, hopefully being able to, uh, to to put up a good run there. Well, we'd love to see you park it in victory lane, and uh, we'd love to see you make the make the uh, playoffs, you and Kurt. Uh, we think it would be awesome, and obviously, uh, you know, all the Pittsburgh fans follow all the Chips race teams like uh, they do the Steelers, the Pirates, or the Penguins. So uh, we're really appreciative of you taking time out of your day to talk with us. Uh, yeah, no problem. I appreciate you having me, and, uh, and uh, hopefully we get to talk again. The NASCAR Cup Series rolls into Kentucky Speedway on Sunday. Matt Kenseth's teammate, Kurt Busch, edged his brother Kyle at last year's race. Shifting gears to open-wheel racing, the NTT IndyCar Series has their first doubleheader this weekend when they visit the Natural Terrain Road Course at Road America. Alexander Rossi is the defending race winner. Last weekend, 
PNC Bank Chip Ganassi Racing, Scott Dixon picked up his second victory of 2020 by winning the GMR Grand Prix on the road course at IMS. Our next guest finished on the podium at the GMR Grand Prix in 2019. Joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast, driver of the number 60 Auto Nation Sirius XM Honda for Meyer Shank Racing, Jack Harvey. Jack, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here with you. Let's talk a little bit about one of the things I like to do with the local race fans who are new to IndyCar racing is help them get to know the drivers a little bit. So the first question I'd like to ask all my guests are, when did you first get into motorsports as a fan? Oh, geez, as a, as a fan, like my whole life, really. My mum and dad tell this story about, you know, when I was two years old in my high chair and the Formula One theme tune came on and I'd get really excited and start like rocking around and uh, my dad's raced like my whole life you know from go-karting to motorbikes to some you know open wheel car, uh, open wheel cars uh, you know himself so um, I've been a, a fan like the time I've been alive really um, it's in uh, in the blood as they would say so mom and dad started you off young so to speak um, not so much my mum. Uh, I can't say that she's grown to love motorsport through me and my dad, uh, but definitely my dad and my uncle for sure. Oh, very cool. Very cool. When did you turn the uh, passion into a career? When did you know you wanted to at least jump in the seat and give it a try? Uh, so he got me a go-kart when I was five. Um, and... I, I liked it. I actually enjoyed him racing probably more at that age uh, than myself. But then, 10 years old, we got a go-kart again. Um, we basically both raced for a year. So he raced uh, like a British sprint car for people who might follow it. It's on a dirt oval. Uh, only difference is it's actually clockwise instead of counterclockwise. Okay. Um, and then I was doing go-karting for a year. That was uh, 2002. And at the end of that year, I think it was a stretch for us both to compete, uh, you know, honestly. But, um, you know, he'd been British champion, national champion a bunch of times. And I think at that point he was he was ready to, uh, you know, call it a day and, um, you know, let me have a crack at it. So nine years old probably was when it, uh, you know, nine years old was kind of fun. When I got to like 10, it got a bit more serious. And you transitioned from go karts. What was your progression up the uh, up the ladder? Yeah, so I went from racing just in the UK go karts to racing uh, only actually in Europe in the last few years. Uh, I then transitioned from the highest level of go kart racing in the world to uh, former BMW Europe, uh, which is like the first step into the single seat open wheel world. I then went into uh, Formula Three, did one year of GP Three. And then I came to America uh, at the start of the 2014 season and did two years of uh, Indy Lights, which is the feeder category into uh, IndyCar. So um, I've been here for you know a little while now. I've been living here for you know six and a half years full time. So um, you know America's been extremely kind to me. Uh, the opportunities that it's, that it's given me, uh, I feel like I've worked extremely hard for them. And I know that you could say that every. Everywhere has got good and bad bits, but uh, I absolutely love being here. Um, you know, I really, really enjoy it, and I'm so happy and 
grateful that one we were you know brave to make the decision to come here in the first place but also that you know we stuck to it and you know seems to be going okay I was going to say, it seems to have worked out for you fairly well. Uh, you were one of the guys to watch in the Indy Light Series, and you made the progression to a partial schedule to start out IndyCar. And uh, and now this year you're running your first full season in the number 60 Honda. How excited are you to actually run the full schedule, even though it's the goofy schedule thanks to COVID-19? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you know, that... Uh, COVID on its own is a separate, a completely separate thing. Um, you know, it's own set of emotions, uh, to be honest with you. But um, you know, me and uh, me and everybody at My Shank Racing have worked really hard from our first race together to try and land in this position. And you know, throughout the you know coronavirus, the the thing that we have had, um, which perhaps other teams haven't, because it's normal for them, it's not normal for us to be full time. Now we're working hard that it becomes that way, but it gave us a perspective of still positivity because we weren't going to miss any races and we have been missing races. So although the season's shorter this year, for us, it's still going to be more races than we've ever done. Therefore, that's positive. So I think within just the, the whole Myshank Racing team, uh, everybody from Automation, Sirius XM and Honda, Everybody was just really excited that our program continued to expand and expand into a full-time drive. And, you know, hopefully when you look at 21, it's a bit more of what, you know, you kind of say with your fingers in the air, but, you know, normal normal schedule might resume, uh, you know, normal amount of races and weekends and whatnot, but um, the best they can, you know, to stay, uh, stay healthy at the minute. And, um, you know, so far, but and our team has been. So, uh, yeah, I'd just like to see that carry on, honestly. I think we all want that. And I think, you know, the, the message that needs to be delivered to race fans and everybody out there, if we all want to be back at the tracks, we just got to do what we need to do to stop the spread, you know. Uh, nothing was more disheartening than watching the first two races at home, not being able to cover them from my perspective, and I'm sure for the drivers and the team's perspective, it had to feel kind of weird not having any, any fans in the stands. Uh, it was for sure, and, you know, for as, for as sad as it was not having anybody there, it would have been sadder if they tried to. People were uh, not poorly or, you know, became ill. And then that meant the season, you know, got indefinitely postponed. You know, that's a scenario that's worse than what we currently have. But I feel like IndyCar and, you know, we've got a good handle right now on how to be. I think there's still a conservative approach to it, you know, one that's uh, a little bit uh, cautious, which I think is great right now. Um, you know, and throughout the whole time that, everybody's health from, you know, the drivers to all the mechanics, all the engineers, all the series personnel and the fans, and most importantly, the fans, is to stay healthy. And, you know, for, for as bad as, or, you know, for as unusual as it's been, it could have got worse, you know, and I think that's the thing we try and keep, uh, keep in mind and, you know, be, be grateful it didn't get worse and hopefully isn't going to. Uh, we'll wait and see exactly what happens, but, you know, everybody's health has to be the priority number one. Great point. Great point. Let's talk a little bit about 
your season. You opened the season. Uh, everybody was looking forward to opening it in St. Pete. Unfortunately, we ended up having to push it back to Texas, and that was your first time on that high-banked oval. And talk a little bit about just that whole experience. You, I know you didn't start where you wanted, but at least you completed all the laps and you brought it home. Yeah, I mean, that's probably about the only positive takeaway from Texas, to be honest with you. It's terrible. Um, you know, I've never been to the track, hardly any time, you know, to practice. Uh, you know, and honestly, the thing as well that was hard was hardly any time between sessions to take a breath, you know, reset and go again. You know, that was pretty hard, I thought, as well. So, um, yeah, Texas was just really difficult. But, um I think we bounced back really well at Indy this last week and just gone, qualified second, uh, was winning third in the race, just behind Will Power and Joseph Newgarden, uh, you know, two series champions. Um, you know, kind of, I didn't, I'm not sure we quite had the pace to win, you know, but I thought we had a top five day for sure. And then that yellow flag just kind of, you know, completely turned our race upside down. And, you know, that happens and, you know, nothing else to say apart from, you know, sometimes that's... Uh, you know, that happens, but, um, you know, I think, I thought we bounced back from Texas in a really positive way, and I thought Indy had so many positives in general. I'd like to see us just try and carry that momentum into Road America this coming weekend. Absolutely. You put it uh, outside, you put it on, you qualified second at Indy, and I think everybody knows you have the pace there. You finished on the podium last year, and I remember when you come up to the media center, uh, just how you, you could see the excitement in your eyes and you could hear it in your voice. And 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 Mike Shank, he was grinning ear to ear how excited he was. And I think that shows everyone out there the potential of your team that, you know, you guys are sure. still just scratching the surface. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Obviously, you know, I'm biased and I'm optimistic as well, but... Um, you know, I, I think the potential of our, you know, team in general is, is very high. Um, I know Michael believes that. I know Jim believes that. And more than that, I know that all the employees at MyShank Racing believe that we've got something really good that's still blooming, you know, I guess. So I think that what that gives us is a, a confidence uh, without any form of complacency just to keep trying to get after it, you know, keep working hard. And, you know, the, the message from me to the guys was, it was disappointing that Indy played out the way it did. But I don't believe that anybody's particularly lucky or unlucky. I think the thing that makes people look lucky is that they do a really good job on their bad weekends and they limit the damage. Um, so I'd just like to see us go to Road America, have a good a weekend as possible, you know, put our best foot forward and, the yellow flags can't always go against you, but if we're in a good position, maybe they'll fall for us in a good way. Um, you know, so that's been the message to, you know, from me to everybody. Um, we have some momentum now. We just need to keep using it. What's it take to get around Road America quickly? It's a very big track, very long track, but there are obviously plenty of places to pass. Yeah, I think... You know, my experience last year, and I mean, we were okay there last year. We weren't awesome. We weren't bad. Uh, you know, braking is going to be really important and uh, straight line speed. So uh, I think we had decent straight line speed through uh, Honda, uh, Indy, but uh, my technician, Dustin, is going to be getting a uh, 
magnifying glass over him this weekend just to try and squeeze out every little, every little uh, bit of power that we can uh, get from our engine. But everybody's doing a really great job across the entire team, our Honda included. Um, you know, so I think if we can get down the straights that quickly and we've got good braking, then I think we've been in pretty good shape. Now, your team has a little bit of a, a technical alliance with the Andretti team. And what's interesting is, is you know, they've, for the most part, they've struggled uh, a little bit. And you guys, you know, Texas aside, you guys have really had some good pace. Yeah, I mean, um, I think the, the nice thing about going into Road America with Andretti is going to be that obviously Alexander Rossi, Whooped everyone's butt last year uh, that re- that weekend, uh, especially in the race. So hopefully we're going to go there with a good car, just unload and be quick, and then just gives me the chance to work on a few corners hopefully, and you know improve myself. But um, I know we went well at Indy GP last year, but obviously you know using a different car this year went well again. So you know maybe it's a track I just particularly go well at. But um, you know all we want to do in affiliation with them is just go out there and achieve. You know, two things. We want to contribute to the team in a global way, um, you know, so that we become valuable, obviously. But also, we want to just go out there and get good results. And, you know, me and Mike, we don't mind sometimes, uh, you know, if the yellow flag falls your way and you get a good result or, you know, you just have outright pace and get good results. We just want to get good results. Um, you know, we're being, being competitive having pace, being at the front more often than not, you can't help but feel like those things are going to fall, you know, your way. So, um, yeah, I think everybody at Andretti uh, Autosport, Andretti Technologies is working really hard themselves because, you know, they've got a fantastic driver lineup this year and, you know, a bunch of drivers who are all, you know, going to be trying to fight out for the championship as well. And, you know, if Texas had gone a little bit better and so had Indy, then, you know, I would have put ourselves in the, you know, not no added pressure to try and win the championship, obviously, like anything like that. But, you know, to go out and try and finish in the top 10 week in, week out. And, you know, I feel like if we can go and do that in Road America, then we'll have had a, a pretty solid start to the season if you take all things can, into consideration. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. I, uh, after the Indy GP, a lot of the drivers were commenting about the aero screen and the lack of airflow. It was It was extremely hot. And and I'm wondering with the double header this weekend at Road America, green, uh, granted that's a little more, you know, you're you're running a, a, on a uh, a permanent road course, kind of. I kind of like it, like you're driving through the countryside, for lack of a better term. But there, uh, you know, it's it, it, there. There are probably a couple of spots where the track will have a little bit of shade. And but what I'm wondering is, is with back to back races. Uh, how will that change your approach this week in terms of uh, your uh, fitness level, your diet, your hydration, and those kind of things? Uh, well, actually, just as I uh, before I got on the phone with you, I just finished a ninety-minute workout outside. It was eighty-nine degrees, and it was already hot and humid. So uh, the only thing we tried to do is, you know, obviously hydrate a little bit better, and then I've just been spending more time training outside to be honest with you um you know just because you know there's no time in the weekend to uh you know to recover or anything like that so i mean really everything that we do you know before we get to the uh, get to the before we get to the track is going to be extremely important so um 
I don't know. I think IndyCar need to do something in the heat, especially with some doubleheader weekends. Uh, you know, perhaps with a bit more time at Road America to breathe than there was at Indy. Uh, but it was extremely hot in the car. The only thing I'm trying to do this week is, you know, spend a bit more time outside in the heat, uh, hydrate a little bit better. And at that point, then, you know, if I go into the race knowing I've done everything that, that I can, then uh, to be honest with you, I'll be pretty, I'll be pretty happy. Well, we're excited about, you know, back-to-back weekends of racing in the NTT IndyCar Series. We get a bonus this weekend with having races on Saturday and Sunday. Is the most important thing on Saturday, obviously, you know, everyone goes in with the goal of uh, qualifying up front, trying to get the best finish, win it if you can. But it, it, do you also have to kind of temper the aggressiveness with the fact that you have back-to-back races and you don't really want to put the team in the hole or you just say, hey, go for it and let the chips fall where they may? I think it really depends how we're running. You know, I think if you've got if you've got good speed and you've got an opportunity to win, then, you know, we're racers, you know, so is Michael. I think they would be disappointed if I didn't go for it. Um, I think at that point, the risk would have to be more, you know, more than 50-50 because, you know, Saturday's a brutal day, you know, with, with, practice, qualifying, and a race, couple of them with qualifying and a race. You know, when they do this in Detroit, at least it's a three-day uh, weekend and it takes a little bit of the pressure off. And the thing is, like I tried to explain to everybody, it's not just the drivers who find it hard. You know, it's mechanics, it's all the pit stops, it's being in their fire suits. You know, it's going for them having to do, you know, awesome pit stops on race, uh, in race one to then making sure the car's in good uh, shapes uh, Saturday night and then come back Sunday morning and just rinse and repeat. So, you know, I, I would I would be lying if I said if there was an opportunity to win, I'm not going to take it. Uh, but definitely going to be a little um, more aware, should we say, that um, I'm not trying to make anybody else's life harder than, than how difficult the weekend's already going to be. And, uh, you know, not to the point of being conservative, but uh, certainly... You know, I think everyone has to remember that for our program, you know, the difference between having a, a win and having a second, you know, apart from your pride, uh, right now isn't uh, isn't a big deal. Um, in a lot of ways, obviously, we want to go and win. We're racers. We're here to win. But you know, uh, if we if we came out of Road America with two podiums, you'd be buzzing. You know, our whole team would be absolutely over the moon. And I think then you've got momentum and you keep just building, you know, bricks and you keep just layering them up and up. Um, so if the opportunity to win there, we'll take it. If podiums are what we've got, we'll take it. And, you know, even two top tens would be a good, re- a good result for the Road America. And what'll be interesting from this weekend, it'll be, uh, for the team, the principals, crew chiefs, engineers, and all that. You've got a couple of double headers throughout the year. It'll give you a good idea of looking at your, at the team's process, procedures, and you can kind of make adjustments from one doubleheader weekend to the other. I think that's one of the interesting things uh, about the weekend. So uh, so we wish you the best of luck. We really appreciate you taking time out. I'm hoping that one of these days that, that we can all uh, go to the racetrack, and instead of me talking to you on the phone, I'm sticking a microphone under your nose. That would be great as well. I would enjoy that. And uh, thank you for having me on today. I really enjoyed chatting with you. And Hopefully after Road America, maybe we're talking about some good results that we got. Well, we wish you the best, and uh, we kn- I know it's in the uh, Meyer Shank Racing Team. We've seen it, and, uh, you know, I, personally, from a reporter's perspective, your team 
and uh, you're, you yourself are one of the guys that I wanted to make sure I watch all season long because uh, with you guys getting the full season in this year and you guys have been, you know, you're slowly going your pro, uh, growing the program and Mike's a racer and I look at guys like Michael Andretti, who was a racer, Bobby Rahal, who was a racer, Penske, who was a racer, Ganassi, who was a racer, all the most successful team owners in IndyCar started out in the cockpit of the car. So they know what the driver and the teams need. So I've really enjoyed watching the team grow. And it's been awesome watching your career progress through Indy Lights. You know, you mentioned when you came to America, but it's been awesome watching it through Indy Lights, now getting that opportunity in IndyCar, and now getting the full season. I'm really uh, enjoying it so far. And uh, that was one of the reasons I wanted to have you on as well. Thank you. Good luck this weekend, Jack Harvey. We appreciate you taking time out. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. See you soon. Thanks to Jack Harvey for taking time out of his preparations for Road America to talk with us. Shifting gears to dirt track racing, Kyle Larson picked up the Pennsylvania Sprint Car Speed Week Championship by starting the race at Port Royal Speedway on Saturday. He then went out and won it to add icing on top of the cake. Thanks to our Lou Long, he had outstanding coverage of Pennsylvania Sprint Car Speed Week all week. Michael Bauer picked up his first career victory in the People's Natural Gas Dirt Car 410 Sprint feature at Lernerville last week. Tyler Dietz beat Daryl Charlier and Corey McPherson to win the Millerstown Pick Apart Rush Dirt Car Pro Stocks main event. And Greg Dombrowski won the Allegheny Sprint Tour 305 feature. Eric Rudolph took home the checkered flag in the BRP Modified Tour main event, coming from the rear of the field to hold off Rex King Sr. and our next guest, Garrett Crummer. Joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast, your points leader in the Lernerville Modified Championship, Garrett Crummer. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? You got it. Awesome. Garrett, thanks for taking time out. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. I always like to start the first question to all my guests with, when did you first become a race fan? So my mind starts when I was pretty young. When I was two years old, my parents uh, bought me an ATV, and we happened to have a camp up by Pine Assuming uh, Full Shot Raceway, and we started going there when I was young, and one thing led to another. Of course, when you start water racing, you need to start track guys, and Raceway 7 was real close to our camp, so we started going over there on Friday nights, and then you find out about Mercer and Sharon and Lernerville and slowly but surely, next thing you know, you're, you're stuck in this world. And about what age did you decide you wanted to drive the car? I mean, go from the quad and the ATV to actually uh, running on the dirt. Um, when I was eight, my mom decided it'd be a lot safer if we got out of quads and bikes and started racing uh, go-karts. So she was... Uh, she kind of made that decision for me, if I'm being honest. Moms have that effect. <laughs> well, that's cool. And how many years, uh, I, w w let's kind of walk your way up through the ranks. What, what was the first type of car you jumped into? Um, after go-karts, our first race, uh, full-size race car was a 358 modified. Um, we ran Tri-City when I was 15 years old. And then we jumped over... We did that for like five years, and then we made the switch to um, open motor late models. And then after that, we, 
we dabbled in sprint cars for a year. Um, wasn't very good at that. And then we made the, made the move back to big block modified. And what is it about the big block modifieds that, that you seem to have a knack for? Um, I think some of it fits my driving style. Um, and then I, I think another big part of it is the budget, you know, what it, what it costs to do to build a competitive modified versus a competitive super late model. Um, I always tell everybody the super late model is more for the, the professionals and the center steer modified stuff's more geared towards the hobby, um, weekend racer. That's a good comparison. I, I, I like how you, how you brought that up. I, I hear a lot of guys, you know, uh, some of the guys that like the, the run the rush cars because they like the fact that, you know, most of them are hobby style racers. They're not racing full time and they're not touring racers. So they like that, uh, budget or that cap control on it. So, uh, I can, I can certainly appreciate that. And uh, let's talk a little bit about your season. You're off to a pretty good start. You're lead, leading the points at Lernerville, and it's uh, been a pretty competitive couple of weeks up there. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we obviously this delayed season. You never, you know, you got all this stuff sitting here, and you want to go racing. You never know. You, you always think you have the latest and greatest, and you know, you hope you're going to come out with a, you know, start the start the season off well. But you, you never really know, obviously. Um, but to start out, you know. We won at Bedford, and then to turn around and win at Lernerville, um, we ran third down here last week. It's uh, it's a good start, you know. And he, we put a lot of work in this winter. Like I said, it can go either way, but to start off well uh, kind of makes all that work and time in the garage worth it. The extended winter for everybody was very, very difficult. What were some of the things that that you did to pass the time? You know, I know Friday nights it kind of just gets it's weird because you're you're weren't at the racetrack. Probably the same thing most uh, most men did with this downtime. Honey, do list. Uh, worked on stuff around the house for the wife, and we got organized. You know, it, it gave us some time to do some projects we don't get done usually. Um, you know, just organizing spare parts and, and doing, you know, getting the shop set up better. And we were able to get out and do some testing um, when things were shut down, and that actually uh, helped us quite a bit because it let us work on, you know, wasn't that hurry up hey we got a race test on tuesday race on friday um and, and i think it benefited us quite a bit it just let us come home and work on some things and, and kind of think things through rather than trying to well you know that might be better but we don't have time to work on it and uh so that was uh that was our downtime you know you're not the first driver that's told me that so far this year that you know how how getting out the test and not thrashing like you do on a race weekend between heats and things like that have really uh, kind of helped their program or at least helped them dot the I's and cross the T's a little bit better. So uh, congrats to you and uh, everybody for uh, making use of the time. And uh, as far as what you're looking at doing throughout the rest of this this year and this season. What do you have on your schedule here the next couple of weeks and down the road? So the, the next couple of weeks, we have some fun. You know, we'll be at Lernerville Friday, um, and then we'll go to one of my favorite races over at uh, Sharon, the Lublin Memorial um, Saturday, and then Mercer's having a big show in two weeks. So we'll, we'll go back to Lernerville that Friday, Mercer Saturday. Um, we have a few great races we got to get to. Uh, try to get that car going a little bit better and, uh, you know, just kind of try to run that stuff. And then probably, unfortunately, I think we're going to probably have to play the, the sounds like another wave of this COVID stuff a little bit. So 
I'm sure that'll dictate maybe a little bit of when and where we're racing at. Yeah, it took uh, PPMS out last weekend, so we're waiting to see what their status is on Friday. So hopefully uh, word came down last Friday that they couldn't run on Saturday. So we'll have to wait and see there. And that's really been kind of hard on the tracks. And uh, a couple of things I've talked to some other drivers about is how important it is that the race fans get out and support the tracks. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. You know, people, uh, you know, you go to the racetrack, doesn't matter. It can be like a real Mercer Sharon, right? It doesn't matter. You know, there's always going to be something, something that you maybe don't agree with or something you don't like, but, you know, it's, they're not doing it on purpose. They're, they're trying, you know, it's the, people got to remember first it's a business for them. And then number two, it's a hobby. You know, these, these people don't own racetracks because they're becoming millionaires. They own racetracks because they like racing. And, you know, if you think for one second, they're not trying their hardest, you know, to, to help the fans and the drivers, I think, uh, you know, I think sometimes people forget that, but, you know, it's hard to, you know, prime example, like you said with Pittsburgh, all ready to go. I'm sure they've got food. I'm, you know, I'm sure there's expenses. Even I don't know that, you know, they've already already shelled out for and then to get canceled Friday night for Saturday and then not even be weather related is, uh, I'm sure, difficult. Yeah, they got one show in their opening night. They take the firecracker weekend off so their fans can go to Lernerville and support the track. And then, you know, Allegheny County shut down. Uh, anything that was groups of 25 or more last weekend. So they got kind of hung out. Lernerville was able to run. Uh, Tri-Cities able to run. And, uh, you know, you got Sharon in a, with the Lou Blaney Memorial. You got Ohio Speed Weeks going on. So uh, I, I, I try and tell the casual sports fan that's never been to a track to, you know, one of the reasons to go, obviously, is the affordability. You can take your family and it's not going to break the bank. But how would you describe a typical race night at the track? Because one of the things that I love about racing is there's constant action. There's a heat race, then there's a break. There's some hot laps, there's a break. Then the actual racing starts, and they're not long races. It's not like sitting in front of your television for four hours trying to watch a NASCAR race. No, it's not. You know, I, I think, you know, Lernerville kind of capitalizes a little bit on having the big three there every Friday night, but there's, there's always something going on. You know, it's quick. It's, uh, you know, you, you think of the fans and then, you know, having, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they like sprint cars and modifieds and they're not super late model fans. Well, you know, as fast as everything happens, you know, time you go to the bathroom, get something to drink while the late models are out there, you're back and, and the modifieds are up. So, I mean, it's, it's, like you said, it's, uh, it keeps your attention, I think, is the key to, you know, short track, dirt track racing. Um, you know, there's just like you said, there's not the commercial breaks. Or, and, and these cup races in the middle of them anymore, what you got two hours, and then in all reality, it means nothing. It's just as long as you don't wreck or blow up, it doesn't mean anything. So, it, uh, you know, the short track racing kind of keeps that attention. And I think today that's one of the biggest things, keeping people's attention. People don't want to go do things that take four five six out you know what i mean they want to they want to get in they want to do what they want to do and get out yeah you you hit it hit the nail right on the head the modified division at lernerville you know everybody you know everybody likes to talk about the 410 sprint cars but i really think you know up and down their fab four friday night there's some very stellar cars in each category and in the modifieds you know you're dealing with guys like brian Schwartzlander, rex king uh, shingledecker had an unbelievable uh a year last year and i know he's trying to carry that momentum forward this year so talk a little bit about some of the competition that you've been facing and that you face on a weekly basis 
Yeah, I mean, Lernerville, you know, the, the, just the big blocks, Western Pennsylvania in general has got, you know, you've got those five or six guys that have been around a while and, uh, you know, they're good night in and night out. I, I think one of the one of the things that kind of helped, it seems like helped Lernerville a little bit last year was when Mercer came back. Um, it seems to have brought a few more cars back and I, I think their car count's been a little bit better all the way through the field. Um, you know, just, I think it's helped big block modified racing there for a while. We were a little, when Tri-City closed down and, and some of the tour races kind of, you know, flamed out a little bit, it, uh, the modified count in general was just down and it seems like it's kind of turned a little bit. Um, you know, my hope always was that this crate class was going to build up something that guys could make the jump. Um, we haven't really seen that yet, but hopefully as the crate class continues to grow, you know, guys that can jump and, uh, we'll have some young guys with the, that's the only, probably the only thing that scares you a little bit about Lernerville Friday nights. And I'm sure Brian and then these guys will probably give me shit about it, but you know, they're, they're older, you know, so are they going to race another in five years? Are we going to be talking about Brian Schwartzlander and Rex King senior at Lernerville or, you know, where, where is the next generation going to come from? Uh, that's a great point. You know, I was talking to, to a couple of track promoters, not locally. They, they're actually uh, at a couple of big touring races. And, uh, you know, I said to one of them who, who wished he had some more fans in the stands, and I said, you need to go out and cultivate the younger race fan. I said, so if it means taking a car to a high school or getting a driver to go to a high school someday or taking a car to a technical school, where kids are learning how to work on engines and transmissions and things of that nature. I said, hell, even if you gave away 100 tickets, what do you care? And he said to me, he goes, well, you don't understand. That 100 tickets is X amount of dollars. I said, if you didn't sell them, that dollar amount is zero. I said, just think about it this way. If you give away 50 tickets and they buy 50 Cokes, 50 hot dogs, you made your money back. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I, growing up, one of the, you know, um, when Vicky Emigo and Mercer, I can remember every store we walked into, it didn't matter. Like, you know, I'm from Elwood City, grew up in uh, Shenango Township, and I can remember as a kid, every store we walked into had pamphlets for Mercer Raceway Park and always had some type of, you know, get, get, buy two, uh, spectator passes, get two free or whatever. And I don't remember the exact promotions, but it didn't matter. It was a local gas station. And, and that was kind of like, you know, the, the wave of thinking there was these people aren't coming without this, you know, are, are you going to lose a ticket or something to somebody that's coming every Friday night? And they, they get the deal. Absolutely. But does it really hurt you if, the, you know, somebody that supports you night in and night out gets a discount one night? Probably not. Um, you know, it's just what's kind of hard nowadays is people don't, uh, it's hard to get people outside, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to get the younger generation and excited and kind of into this stuff. But, uh, you know, you always, <laughs> you hope that, uh, especially myself, I, I hope to race modified. I hope in 20 years we're, uh, we're still talking about this. We're still racing modified, but, uh, we definitely got to get some younger generation involved to keep that class going. All right. I, I totally agree with you there. We got to cultivate the younger fan base. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to start the site last year. One of the reasons I wanted to start the podcast is to get the product out there to get some more publicity for the drivers, the teams, the sponsors that are helping you out, the sponsors that are helping the tracks out, the businesses that that feed the industry. Because let's face facts, with the Steelers, the Pirates, the Penguins, Pitt, Duquesne, Robert Morris, it's very hard to even just make the sports report. 
it is. It is. You know, it's not, you know, people don't with this. <laughs> so we, we have a good local dirt track racing community, you can say, uh, you know, with the Lernerville, Mercer, Sharon, try to see that little area, but we don't, we're not Western, you know, we're not central Pennsylvania with the Grove and Lincoln. We're not, you know, upstate New York. We're not where these, you know, you'll see racing highlights on the news or, you know, there's a whole page article about Billy Pallets winning. You know, we just, we don't have that following. So it takes, you know, we got to be a little more creative to try to get in front of, like you said, new, new eyes, new viewers. Uh, I, I totally agree with you there. And uh, really, I think one of the things that, that the tracks need to do is to get the, and this is a golden time right now because there's no baseball, no football, is they need to get on the horn to the sports departments of the TV stations and say, just send a photographer. We'll take care of him. We'll make sure he's got what he needs. And I think that would be a different way for the tracks to try and approach it. I've been on the other side of it. I've covered the Steelers, the Pirates, the Penguins, and I'll be honest with you, it's easy for the guys that are doing it to do it because, you know, Pitt and the Steelers are in the same building. The Penguins are just across town, and Pitt's just a drive up Forbes Avenue from PPG Paints Arena. So it's really not that difficult to touch the bases that they need to touch, whereas taking a drive out to Lernerville or out to PPMS, you know, it's taken a, it will take a lot more time out of their schedule but this would be a great time and a great time of the year to introduce racing to a bunch of fans and to a community who knows it's out there but just doesn't experience it. And I don't know about you. You could probably answer this question better than me. But any time I've ever taken someone to the track, I've never had someone say they, they don't enjoy it. What's your been, experience been like when you've taken someone to the racetrack? I agree. I don't, I don't think we've ever taken someone new, you know, someone that's never been um, there and they've had a bad time or, or, or didn't come back. Um, you know, I think you're right. I think it, you know, people don't always think about it, but now's a, a prime prime time, um, you know, that we could, I don't want to say cherry pick, but just open people's eyes to, you know, there are other sports out there and, and what we, like you said, what we have to offer, um, you know, on a Friday or a Saturday night. And, and I think part of that goes to, you know, getting the people there and then run an efficient show, get these people in, get them out, get them on their way. You know what I mean? Let them come in and enjoy it for a few hours with the family and then get out. Great point. Great point. Who are some of the, uh, some of the people that are, that help your racing program that you'd like to give a shout out to? Obviously my wife and my family, um, you know, are are big supporters and, and, uh, everything we do. And for me to be able to race, you know, Friday and Saturday, every weekend, um, I've had some great sponsors over the years. Uh, Mark Doherty from MD Landscaping has been with me for, I don't know, 10 years now. Um, always at the races, always, always on board for whatever crazy things we come up with that we want to do next. Um, Dubois Battery, Mike Vignovich, uh, has been with me for a few years now. Family friend, uh, just kind of always been there. You know, he's the guy that when we're in a bind, I can usually count on Mike. And, uh, like I said, my parents, um, Colonial Metal Products, uh, my buddy Will helped me out quite a bit this year, just getting us getting us looking at things a little different um you know just just kind of helping our program out of course my crew and uh you know all the all the product sponsors and stuff that uh, help us do it every weekend that's awesome you can't do it without a support staff without a doubt well we wish you luck for the rest of this season and we look forward to watching you at lernerville and at mercer and all the other dirt tracks around town but more than anything uh, we appreciate you taking time out to talk with us tonight Absolutely. I appreciate being on and uh, hopefully we get to talk to you again soon.
Special thanks to Garrett for taking time out of his preparations for this weekend of racing to talk with us. Fab Four Racing returns to Lernerville on Friday night. PPMS is back in action on Saturday night after a one-week hiatus due to Allegheny County COVID-19 restrictions. Jennerstown has five divisions of racing Saturday night, plus the Super Cup Stock Car Series. At Sharon Speedway on Saturday, it's the Lou Blaney Memorial. And Sunday at Tri-City, they have the 358 Modifieds, Mini Stocks, Super Lates, and Pro Stocks. That'll do it for another edition of the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. Extra special thanks to Matt Kenseth, Jack Harvey, and Garrett Crummert for joining us. And thanks to you, race fans, for joining us as well. Don't forget to stay up to speed on all of the local racing news, as well as the latest in NASCAR and IndyCar at PittsburghRacingNow.com. And give us a follow on our social media links on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Any use of this podcast without the express written consent of Pittsburgh Racing Now is strictly prohibited. I'm Scott Stiller. We hope everybody stays safe and healthy, and we will talk to you next week.